This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning in safety. We pray that our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes would all be opened to your word. We pray that we would be open to your love. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to be here with you all. Thank you. So if you were here last week, you know that Father Jonathan issued us a challenge, which I believe is printed at the bottom of one of your inserts, of the pink insert. So you can read it there. But this was the, is- the challenge that he issued. He asked every household to invite at least two or more people into their homes or for coffee or on a walk or for some shared activity and to do that once a quarter from now until the end of next year, which would be five times. Now, he issued this challenge in the midst, of course, of a renovation that is going on. In a very practical sense, Church of the Ascension has less space for us to be hospitable and welcoming and gathering together here, so it would be helpful if we all began opening our homes. But the challenge is not just practical. The challenge is also about getting at something deeper. Hospitality is something that we get to practice and we need to practice. Hospitality is at the center of the gospel because welcome is at the center of the gospel. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in our gospel reading. As we're making these renovations and opening the doors wide for other people, and that's wonderful, right? I am the daughter of an interior designer, and so I know that our spaces can change our moods and change our behavior and change how we interact with one another. I know that clear signage to the bathroom is an act of love. It's real. Honestly, how nervous are you when you go to a new place and you don't know where the bathroom is? That is upsetting. So we are maneuvering around. We're opening up our entryway. We're going to make more space for our neighbors and for our friends and for strangers that God would bring to us. But that won't make much of a difference if once they arrive, they don't feel that they are welcomed. And so we need to make these external changes and they're very important, but we also need to be preparing our hearts. The external needs to match the internal. That is something that Jesus is very fond of And it shows up again in our gospel reading today. The God we serve wants what we do on the outside to reflect actually what's happening on the inside. And so this morning I want to talk about the heart of hospitality. How do we get hospitable hearts? What do hospitable hearts even look like? Now our gospel reading for this morning shows us two different displays of hospitality one that is maybe a lack of hospitality. And we're gonna see two different hearts at work. And they're hearts that Jesus fully sees and fully knows, as we'll see later in the story. 
So we begin in the house of Simon. He is a Pharisee, and we don't know much more about him other than that. He's not to be confused with the other Simons of the Bible. He just has a very popular name. So this Simon is a Pharisee, and he has invited Jesus to supper, which is externally a very hospitable act. The problem is how he behaves once Jesus arrives. How Simon behaves, foregoing all ordinary customs of hospitality when somebody comes to your home, is a lot like if you or I walked into a party here in our culture, into a place that we didn't know a lot of people, and then the host who had invited us doesn't greet us at the door, doesn't stop whatever they're doing to say hello to us, and we don't know where the bathroom is, again, very important, and maybe the host doesn't tell us where to put our coat, now we're feeling rejection is actually what we're feeling, right? And nobody ever believes me when I say it, but I'm a very shy person. And so if I walk into a party where I don't know anybody and the host is ignoring me, the one person I do know, I'm gone. I'm very likely gonna slip out because it's pretty clear that I'm not wanted there. That's what Simon communicated to Jesus by his actions. And so why even invite somebody, right, if you're just going to treat them that way? Well, there's lots of different guesses that we can make. We don't really know. Maybe he brought him here specifically to ignore him, to shame him, to scorn him by his lack of attentiveness, right? Maybe he had heard Jesus speaking and he knew that Jesus was a threat to the religious establishment, which he was. And maybe Simon didn't like that. Maybe he had brought him here to test him. Maybe he had heard Jesus speak. Maybe he had heard all of the gossip about who this rabbi was, and he wanted to bring him there to see what he was really like, see if he lived up to the hype. And maybe he behaved that way because he was just grumpy. Maybe the synagogue was under construction and maybe his rabbi had told him it would be great if every household invited people to their homes five times before the end of next year. And maybe he just felt grumpy about it. <laughs> we don't really know. But what we do know is despite the external act of the invitation that his heart was not inclined towards Jesus. But the good news in our story is that somebody was there whose heart was inclined towards Jesus. And that was, as Simon calls her, the sinful woman. And as Jesus calls her, the forgiven woman. I would go so far as to say the righteous woman, because what are righteous people other than forgiven sinners? And so Simon sees this woman who is socially in every category that is below him. And she shows up at this dinner party, which culturally it's important to explain that having other people milling around would not have been as crazy as, say, it would be here, right? If somebody comes into my home that I have not told about a party, that I have not invited, and sits down at my dining room table, I'm going to find it a little awkward. That's not probably what was going on. This dinner was probably in a courtyard. There were probably other people around. It wouldn't have been crazy for those people milling around to even engage with the guests at the dinner party. It wasn't crazy that she was there because she was uninvited. It was crazy that she was there because of who she was. 
To Simon, she was just a sinner who had no right to be there and certainly no right to be doing what she was doing, this extravagant display of love and kindness and devotion. I mean, it was a bit too much. She had no right to be there because of who she was in the eyes of Simon. And so when Jesus receives her, Simon makes a judgment about Jesus. And he says to himself, and this is funny, I think, right? Listen to this part. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, if he said this in his head or under his breath, can you imagine how surprised he was when Jesus responded? As Simon is making the judgment that by Jesus receiving this woman, he must not be a prophet, Jesus is on the other side of the room reading Simon like a book. He knows what is in Simon's heart and mind, just as he knows what is in the woman's. And he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And do you think Simon felt a little nervous about that? I would have been. So I have something to tell you. And he says, tell me, teacher. And he tells him a parable of two debtors, one who owes 50 denarii and one who owes 500. Both of them are forgiven by the moneylender. And Jesus asks Simon, who do you think, after they are forgiven, loved the moneylender more? Now, Jesus loves to tell parables that have an I gotcha moment, and this is the I gotcha moment. Because if Simon says that it's not the person that owes the 500, he looks stupid. And if he says that it is and answers correctly, he is caught in what Jesus is trying to teach him. And he does answer correctly. He says, the one who had the bigger debt forgiven will love the muddy lender more. And Jesus says, yes, that's right. And because Jesus is a good teacher, I wonder if he paused to let the penny drop for Simon. Does, penny, does Simon in that moment realize that he is the debtor who owes 50? And she, this person who is so other, is the one that owes 500. And that what Jesus is saying is that it doesn't matter because neither one have the resources to pay off their debt. It's just that one of them knows they have a debt and one of them doesn't. The woman who comes to Jesus knows that she has an unforgivable debt that miraculously Jesus forgives. And hence, and this is the part that I love, hence she has shown great love. That's what Jesus says to Simon. It's because she's been forgiven, then out of that pours great love. And just in case Simon isn't tracking, I think he probably is, but in case he's not, Jesus really lays it out for him. He lays it on thick at the end of our passage. He says, Simon, you did not give me any water for my feet when I came in. But this woman has wet my feet with her tears and wiped away the tears with her hair. You did not give me a customary kiss and she has not stopped kissing my feet since I walked in. You wouldn't even offer me some oil for my head and she has broken this jar worth of a thousand dollars maybe, maybe more of perfumed oil and has anointed my feet. Simon, what's going on? I wonder how Simon felt about being unfavorably compared to this sinful woman. This woman that was so much less than him in his mind 
that she wasn't even really worth thinking about. In fact, I wonder if he thought about her at all until Jesus said, look at her. Now, there's something going on here. There's a leveling of the playing field. Jesus is communicating clearly to these religious elites that nobody stands without a debt before God, despite their external acts of holiness and righteousness, because there has to be more. We all owe a debt that we cannot pay. It doesn't matter if we owe 50 or 500 or 5 million denarii, we can't pay it off. There is a third act of hospitality that I think is actually the most important one in this story. And that is the hospitality that Jesus extends to this woman. He could have flinched when she touched him. He could have pulled away. I mean, all of the customs of the day would have told her that he had to. I have read enough stories where people like this woman, where people who are sick with leprosy, they touch Jesus. And I've read enough about that to know that for that time in that culture, that was madness that a holy man would let the sick, the marginalized, a woman, people that are ceremonially unclean, let them touch him is incredible. And it should feel incredible to us because that's who Jesus was. He doesn't hesitate to show her hospitality when she reaches out to him, when she takes this very vulnerable risk to show up at Simon's house. He responds with love. And he doesn't just respond with love, he responds with a parable that evens the playing field. And he doesn't just do that, he looks at Simon and he makes him look at her. Do you see her? He asks Simon. And Simon, of course, did not see her. At least didn't see what was in her heart. But Jesus did. He knew. And hence, she was able to show great love to Jesus. So there was an act of hospitality even before this dinner party that we don't know about. Maybe she heard Jesus teaching or preaching. Maybe she heard other people preaching about him. Maybe she witnessed a healing. Maybe she was healed. We don't know what happened. But Jesus did something that created this impulse in her to reach out to him, to come find him, to make this very costly offering to him to become so vulnerable in this social situation that was so adverse to her, to become so vulnerable, something must have happened. Hence, she showed great love. And so it makes me think that one, we need to examine God's heart of welcome if we want to mold our own hearts after it. And that's God's heart. We're coming up in the season of Advent, and there is almost no greater act of hospitality except for, save maybe the cross, than the incarnation. When Jesus, right, became so small and vulnerable for us, he accommodated to our littleness, our messiness, our imperfection. He accommodated himself. He looked at the woman, and she was not too sinful to have him, her touch him. He looked at the woman, she was not too much or too little of anything for him. And God looked at the world and said the same thing, and accommodated himself to us. 
became our own flesh so that if you know the stories of the Old Testament, seeing God being in his presence is very dangerous for us. And so he took on our flesh so that he could be among us without killing us because such is his holiness and such is our unrighteousness. The incarnation and then the cross is a profound act of hospitality. It is at the very center of the gospel. And so we are called to a similar act of hospitality to do the externals because they matter, right? All of the exciting things that are happening out here, I saw a big pile of rubble when I walked in, that matters and it's exciting. But what's in our hearts as we prepare for the next season also matters. Because unless you are, and I'm like this, I get nervous about hosting people, unless you are Julia Child, the people that are coming to your home are not going to remember what food you gave them. They're just not. They will remember how you made them feel, right? The people coming to your home don't see all the dust bunnies along the baseboards like you do. They, they're not even seeing them, and if they see them, they don't care, probably, right? But they will remember how you treated them. We know, studies show us, uh, physical stuff, memories don't stick with us as long as emotional memories. We remember emotions long after we remember anything else about an event. So it's how we make people feel. And that's the piece that I think has to come from an internal heart of welcome. And I don't know about you, but I long to be part of a church. I long for our community to be a place where people who are marginalized, where people who do not belong, where people who are other, where people who are minorities in one way or another feel welcome. And the church doesn't live up to who our Savior is in that. Jesus walked into the crowds and the people that would have been seen in society as the least deserving were the ones that ran to him first. What was it about him that was so attractive to them? I think we see it in how he treats the woman, that he was worth taking a risk on for her because she knew that he would receive her and welcome her and love her, that she was not too much for him. And so that's what we're preparing ourselves for. If we open up our doors, if we open up this space, more people might come in. And we need to be prepared because people come with all sorts of baggage. And we need them. That's what Romans told us today, right? Paul's letter to the Romans. Every part of us, every one of us is a different member of the body and even the parts that we scorn, even the parts that we are tempted to look down on are necessary for a functioning body. So people bring their gifting and their blessings and people also bring their baggage and their trauma and their opinions. And are our hearts ready to be like Jesus's heart? which is inclined towards everyone. Not thinking selfishly of anything, but always inclined in love. So that's, I think, at the heart of our story today, is this internal, soft-heartedness, hospitality that Jesus shows to this woman. And this woman responds by showing to Jesus, can we be like her? Softening our hearts and making our hearts hospitable is the work of the Holy Spirit. Full stop. It's above our pay grade. But we can put ourselves in the way of God's love. 
We can soak in worship. We can remember what happened on the cross and the great love that it shows for us. We're coming into Advent and we remember the incarnation, how God so accommodated us. How can we fail to turn and accommodate others? So that's part of what our challenge is about, is letting the Holy Spirit soften our hearts towards others, the ones that are easy to be around and the ones that are difficult to be around. We need to have a heart that is tender and open towards all people. And it's that heart that I have already seen in this community. I was new here not very long ago. And I know that in this DNA of this congregation is hospitality. If we continue to persevere in letting God mold us in that way, imagine how ready we can be when we open the doors. May we be people that draw people in, not just the people that look like they might be deserving, but the people that look like they might not be, because we are all debtors. This is an even playing field, and that's what we need to communicate. Amen.